Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. As Mark said, uh, we've been moving through a series called Work Matters. You could look at it the other way and say, Work Matters. It's Work Matters because Work Matters. Um, And even some of the songs that we've been singing this morning have spoken of that because it's the serving of God, isn't it? The serving of the Lord that should be our work, not our employment uh, on its own. We say, you know, what do you do for work? But it's bigger than that. Our being, our existence is about serving our Lord. And we've been exploring just how our relationship with Jesus speaks and shapes the working world in which we live. And by working world, we're not just talking about, as I said, paid employment, but how we spend our time through the week. Are we honouring God in what we do, in what we look at, in how we recreate, in how we do life? Today, we're looking at missionary work. You might say, oh, that's good. All our missionaries are overseas or working. They're working in universities or in schools or something. That's them. That's great. I I can switch off. Well, not quite because Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, he has given us, in fact, he has commanded us to do something very special. And that is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and doesn't stop there. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus prefaced that by saying, I have all authority to tell you this. Jesus prefaced that by rising from the dead and he prefaced that by hanging on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God, the Father and the Lord Jesus. It all goes together. So if we reach out and desire to receive the forgiveness that God gives us because Jesus has paid the price for our wrongdoing, it leads naturally that we should be doing what he tells us to do. And I don't want to come across this morning at all Uh, as this is something heavy. In fact, we're going to look at a book in the Bible that is bathed in humour and comedy about a man who was a reluctant missionary. If you love the Lord Jesus, you are called by him to go and tell those around you the good news. Some people will go overseas. Some people will cross cultures to do that. But every one of his followers are called to go. It's not an invitation, it's a command. We often think it's something that other people do, this missionary work. You know, we think of Jeff and Marielle in Northern Africa. They're led by God's spirit to go far away and to share the news with those who would have never heard about him. And here in Australia, we may think that everyone has the opportunity to hear about Jesus. There's lots of churches open every Sunday. If somebody really wants to hear about him, they'll trot along to church and they'll hear about him. They just have to inquire. But I think all of us have many friends who honestly and genuinely feel that they could not step through the door 
Some of them might joke and say the roof will fall in, but some of them just are scared of the culture. They don't know what to do. Like the teetotalers amongst us won't, won't, don't know what to do in a pub. What do you do? I've never been in one. What do you do? But God's made a very special way for those people in our community who have never heard. And that's in the person of you. Yes, God in his wisdom has placed you and me in the community and provided us with many opportunities to live our lives under the influence of Jesus and to show and tell people what it's like. One problem, we are very often reluctant missionaries. I don't have to go into that. We know what we're talking about here. There are not many of us who can just open up about our faith in Jesus and talk to anybody. I've got a good friend who can do that. He really has the biblical gift of evangelism. He will lead hair hostesses to the Lord at 30,000 feet. He will lead bus conductors to the Lord. I've watched him do it. He will sit and end up talking to the waiter at a restaurant and lead them to Jesus. It just happens. And I'm in awe of how he's able to do that. I'm not putting this on a guilt trip because I know the feeling myself. I do want to share God's good news about Jesus. I do want to share my life with people. But God gives us this challenge, a challenge of how we can overcome that reluctance to share Jesus with those around us. And the Old Testament provides us with a very good book and many of us have been familiar with the story since our Sunday school days, the book of Jonah. Um, Jonah's a funny story. It really is. It's a good news, bad news story. You know the ones like the guy was flying an aeroplane, the aeroplane was breaking down, so he jumped out of the aeroplane. Oh, that's no good. No, it's okay. He had a parachute. Oh, that's good news. No, it's bad news. The parachute didn't open. Oh, that's no good. Oh, it's actually okay because he was heading for a... Uh, a haystack. Oh, that's okay. Then that's the good news. Now, the bad news is there was a pitchfork in the haystack. You know how it goes on and on and on like that. Well, Jonah, the book of Jonah is like that. Long story short, God said to Jonah, one of his prophets, I want you to go to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. That is the capital city of our mortal enemy, the Assyrians. Today, that's Mosul in Iraq. And if you zoom in on a Google Maps of, of Mosul, you will see the outline of the old city of Nineveh still there. It was a great city in those days. But God said to Jonah, I want you to declare that I am going to judge their wickedness. Well, that's good news, says Jonah. That's great news. Because Assyria was always the bad guy in Israel's mind. And the word judgment meant that God was going to wipe them out. Maybe a bit of a Sodom and Gomorrah sort of thing. And this is going to be interesting. The bad news is that what God said to, to, to Jonah, I want you to go and tell them it's about to happen. That's the bad news. There was no salvation. Not even any of that was in Jonah's mind. All he wanted to see was the judgment of their mortal enemy. There was salvation for people in those days. They could, like the Israelites, follow the God of the Israelites. They could become Israelites. They could convert. But the problem was that Israel wasn't telling people that. They would much rather see these people die and go away. The good news is that God was going to judge 
Assyria. The bad news was that Jonah was the one to tell them that their destruction was imminent. And you can imagine Jonah's predicament. Can you think about that? Put, your, put yourselves in Jonah's sandals. I'm going to go across to our mortal enemy, stand on street corner after street corner, in marketplace after marketplace, and tell my enemies, my God is about to wipe you out. Not a real clever idea on life, is it? Probably got a life expectancy of only a few minutes in a place like that. No wonder. I think we can feel for Jonah. So Jonah, thinking survival is the best uh, suggestion, heads west. Nineveh was northeast of Israel, but Jonah decides to go to the coastal town of Joppa in Israel, buy a ticket on the first boat that he could find to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish is a town in Spain, but it's on the west coast of Spain. In those days where the earth was flat, not like now it's round, but in those days it was flat, and Tarshish, you couldn't go any further. You'd fall off the edge. Tarshish was as far as you could get from Israel. Jonah was pretty clever. But God was even cleverer because he wasn't finished with Jonah. He had lessons to teach Jonah just as much as he had lessons to teach Nineveh. And out of that, he's got lessons to teach us. Let's stop for a moment. We're so familiar with Jonah's story we can be really in danger of just overpassing a lot of these things. But let's think about our own lives. How do we see the people around us that we deal with every day? Our neighbours, family members, workmates, people at uni, all those sorts of people. How do you see them? Do you see them as Jesus sees them? Created by him for a purpose? Or do you see them as Jonah saw those around him? Well, that's their choice. If they want to live that lifestyle, they've got to take the consequences. Tough luck. I'm okay. I want us to explore this for a few minutes to see what God might be saying to us today. The book of Jonah has been described by several commentators as a prophetic comedy. And it is. It's funny. That's why we remember the story. We're familiar with it. But sometimes we can miss the reason why it is in the scriptures. So Jonah headed off to Spain, thinking that God wouldn't find him. But of course, God knew his every move and caused a sterile, terrible storm to come across the vessel. And the sailors were a decent bunch of guys. They did everything they could to keep the vessel afloat. They threw the, crop, the, the cargo overboard. They tried rowing for the nearest shore. Nothing worked. Meanwhile, it tells us, Jonah was fast asleep. One commentator said, sleeping off his conscience. And all these sailors were praying to their gods to save them. They were panicking. Then they realized that Jonah wasn't with them at the time. So they went down and dragged him up and said, what's going on? Why aren't you praying to your God? And Jonah was honest enough to say, well, actually, I'm probably the reason for the storm. Because my God asked me to do something and I'm not doing it, I'm going the other way. He said, really, the only thing that we can do about it is you throw me overboard, my death, the storm should stop. They didn't want to do that. They kept throwing cargo overboard. They were feeling for Jonah. They didn't want to throw him overboard. Eventually, that was the last resort and they did that. And the scriptures tell us that instantly the storm stilled. Instantly. 
And instantly, those pagan sailors turned to Jonah's God. Jonah went overboard, and in his doing so, he brought people to God. Isn't that amazing? That's the good news. The bad news is that Jonah, of course, got swallowed by a big fish. The good news is that Jonah got swallowed whole. He didn't get chewed up on the way down. The good news, too, is that God had Jonah's full attention. And Jonah had a change of heart. While he was sitting in the belly of the whale, or the fish, whatever it was, he decided that maybe he could call out to God. So he did. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. That was bad. Yep, okay. Well, God let him stew on it for three days before he had the, the, the fish uh, spit Jonah up on the beach. The end of the story. Well, no, actually, there's a bit more. goes on. God says to Jonah, I want you again to go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim the message that I gave you. God tends to do that at times. He'll ask us to do something. We don't do it. We get into a muddle. We go back to God and he says, good, now let's keep going, but you've got to go back and finish what I asked you to do. That's why I put you on this earth. Jonah had to do that. Well, he didn't want to end up in a similar predicament, so he went to Nineveh. But the problem is that Jonah's attitude to the Assyrian people had not changed. It was so deeply ingrained in his culture and in his psyche. Jonah had showed God remorse inside the fish's belly, but he had not repented of a poor attitude toward what he saw as a God-forsaken people deserving only judgment. Friends, do you see people around you like that? God-forsaken people, they do things, they speak in a way which they are so far from God. You say, well, if that's what you want to do, that's your business. You suffer the consequences. But you know, there's no such place in the world as a God-forsaken place. Because despite all the sin in the world, God made it and continues to create around us. And there is no such person as a God-forsaken person. Jesus died for everyone's sin, not just our own. And I'm afraid at times we do forget that, don't we? Our God is greater than our thinking. He is all-powerful, and his spirit works in the most amazing ways, particularly in the hearts of people. We see that in the story today. God's spirit had begun to do something in the hearts and the minds of the people at Nineveh long before he asked Jonah to go. Do you get that? God was already doing something in the people of Nineveh. What about your friends? What about those God-forsaken people who seem so far away from being interested in anything to do with God? Could God be doing something in their hearts? But because nobody has spoken to them yet, it's, it doesn't have a chance for the seed to germinate and grow. The Assyrians were at the top of the world order. They were the champions. They ruled the world in those days. But despite getting to the top, they had realised that it doesn't satisfy. Here in Australia, one of the luckiest countries in the world, God is doing a work 
through his spirit, changing the hearts of many people around us. And like the Ninevites, many of the people around us continue to do this work, live this lifestyle, but they find no satisfaction in the world they live. But no one has told them of the alternative. It turns out long before Jonah arrived in Nineveh, God's spirit had been working, maybe causing them to question many things of their lifestyle. So that when Jonah arrived on, at, through the gates of Nineveh, the gates are still there, you can see the photos of the magnificent city. When he arrived, expecting his life expectancy to be less than a half a day, he stood up, cleared his throat and started to speak. And people stopped in the streets and listened. They didn't get angry. Instead, they fell to their knees and asked God's forgiveness. Jonah spent three days walking around Nineveh and its suburbs telling his message. And not one person threw anything at him. Not one person went to go and lynch him. Three days. The people didn't have a go at Jonah. Instead, revival broke out across the city. And the Bible tells us 120,000 people bowed the knee to God. Even the king sought God's forgiveness. And we read, and this is a part of the funny side of it, we read, just to make sure everyone got the message, the king decreed that even the animals needed to show the nation was sorry. So they dressed the animals in sackcloth and sprinkled ashes over them as a sign of repentance. And God heard the people's prayers and changed his mind and did not destroy the city. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if any of us could lead 120,000 people to God? We have difficulty leading one person to God. But that's God doing the work, not us, when we see these things happen. Jonah, however, despite all that God had done by giving him a second chance in life, still secretly hated the Assyrians. It was just inside him as, a, as an Israelite person. His attitude hadn't changed despite his successful prophetic tour. And sing Jonah was singularly disappointed in God. He made his way out of the city in a frump and sat on a hill wanting and waiting to see the fiery destruction of the nation's enemies. It's got to happen. But nothing happened. Well, something did happen. And it happened to Jonah. You see, it was a very hot day, it tells us, and Jonah started to feel the heat. So God very kindly and miraculously had a leafy plant grow up beside Jonah to give him some shade. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. He waited all night for this hailstorm of vehemence and fire to come and take the city, but nothing happened. He waited all night. He's a pretty patient guy, Jonah. But he had no patience for those who were desperate to get their lives right before God. Nothing happened. Despite all his blessings, Jonah failed to notice what God was teaching him here. So God pressed him a bit further. Early in the morning, God caused the shady plant to die. And Jonah found himself again baking under the hot sun. Jonah complained three times and says to God, he says to God, I wish I was dead. Talk about up and down. I wish I was dead. This sun is unbearable. 
Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. But now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. How pathetic that must have sounded to God. Jonah, after all I've done for you, after all I've done for 120,000 people, God in his love and his gentleness simply asked Jonah a question. He said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concerned for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? They're lost. We're not told Jonah's final decision. The, the story ends with that question. Paul Stevens says, instead we're left with a question from God that invites us to supply our own ending. To ourselves, put ourselves into the story. We could change God's question a little bit. God could be saying to us today, you've been concerned about this plant should I not have concern for the great city of Brisbane? Every person in your sphere of influence has the potential of meeting Jesus. They don't have to come into a church. They simply have to meet you. And they have. But what are we doing about it? To be honest, we, like Jonah, are often reluctant missionaries, aren't we? Stephen suggests we might put ourselves in Jonah's place. What would my reaction be if God said to me, Bob, go to Tarshish? Well, guess what? He's already said that. Jesus said, I want you to go. Jesus has put me in Brisbane. Jesus has given me friends who don't know Jesus. Am I praying that the Spirit would do a work in their hearts? Am I looking for the opportunity to share, not to pull out my Bible and go through all the passages, but simply to say a word, to offer a prayer, to make a conversation. We know from this story and even the words of Jesus that his spirit works in the hearts and minds of people, preparing them to hear from someone who will simply make the friendship and share the good news. That's our challenge today, my friends. I think we can learn a lot from this account of Jonah. Because as God prepared the people of Nineveh long before Jonah arrived with his message, God will never ask us to do something without preparing the way before us. And remember those words at the beginning of Jesus' command, all authority has been given to me. You've got authority to speak. Jesus' authority. And you've got God's power and enabling and provision to speak. Why, why, why do you and I fall so easily and so quickly to the lie of the evil one that says nobody's interested or you can't do it? It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus said, I have all authority. We have that authority to tell them. We may need, never lead 120,000 people to Jesus, wouldn't that be wonderful? But we may be able to save one, or two, or three, or how many, as God enables. 
here's a way we could do this. And we could know by next week whether it works. Two things, two prayers. First one, very simple. Lord, lead me to someone this week in a way that may lead them to you. Pretty good prayer, isn't it? Pretty simple. I don't know what I'm going to say. But Lord, show me. Just give me that, that word in my head when somebody says something that this could be a, an opportunity. And then pray the other prayer, the second prayer. Lord, strengthen me and encourage me to respond when you prompt me. Two very simple prayers. But the story of Jonah is a simple story. I don't know if Jonah had a theological degree. I don't know if he'd been trained in cross-cultural missionary work. God thought he was good enough to use him. And God uses and promises us that we are good enough to be used by him. So there's a challenge for this week. Two short prayers. Lord, tell me when this person might be. As I build a relationship, it might be just offering to pay for their coffee. Building a relationship, starting something. And Lord, help me to recognise it. And if there's a chance for me to speak, give me the words that just hit the spot for right now. Let's pray. Pretty practical stuff, Lord. And we thank you for Jonah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting him one day. Give him a hug. Say thank you. Thank you for just being an ordinary guy, an ordinary person who felt all the fears that we feel. We'd love to tell people about Jesus, but like Jonah, we just balk at it. We're scared, we're frightened, we, we believe the evil one's lies. And yet we have that same spirit in us that went before Jonah. Powerful, we have God within us. We've been singing about that and sharing that earlier. Father God, fill us anew that as we sang earlier, we may go out and share by just small but bold ways, not even worrying about what people think about us, in the prayerful hope that these seeds, these seeds we send out will fall on fertile ground. And we might have the joy, the absolute privilege of very soon leading our friends and our family members who don't know you to Jesus so that they may know you the way we know you. For their sake and for Jesus' sake we ask this. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.